Welcome to Ship It, a podcast about ops, infrastructure, and simpler alternatives. I'm your host, Gerhard Lazio, and today I'm joined by Nabil Suleiman, Senior Software Engineer at Vercel. I think that Cert Manager is great, which is why I was intrigued when Nabil told me about KCERT, a simpler alternative to Cert Manager that he built. We tried it out, and I think that Nabil is onto something. If you want to see the video that we recorded, ping us on Twitter or Slack. I love this story, especially the long-term approach of working on something that one truly believes in. And the only reason is because it's fun. The world needs more people like Nabil, and I hope that this episode inspires you to go all out and do just that. Huge thanks to Fastly for shipping our episodes super fast all around the world. Check them out at fastly.com. What's up, shippers? This episode is brought to you by our friends at Shortcut. Have you ever really been happy with your project management tool? You know, they're so hard to get right. They really are so hard to get right. Most are too simple for a growing engineering team to manage all they need to do. And others are just too complex for anyone. And I mean anyone to ever want to use them. They're just so painful. Shortcut, formerly known as Clubhouse, is different though because it's worse. I mean, <laughs> it's better. I mean, it's better. Shortcut is project management built specifically for software teams and they're fast, they're intuitive, flexible, powerful, and all the other positive adjectives you can apply to them. Let's look at some of the highlights. Team-based workflows, individual teams can use Shortcut's default workflows or you can customize them to match the way you work. Org-wide goals and roadmaps, the work in these workflows automatically get tied into larger company goals. And it takes one click to move from a roadmap to a team's work, to individual updates and vice versa. Tight VCS integrations, whether you use GitHub, GitLab or Bitbucket, shortcut ties directly to them so you can update progress from the command line. Keyboard friendly interface, the rest of Shortcut is just as keyboard friendly with their power bar, allowing you to do virtually anything without touching your mouse. Throw that thing away. Iterations, planning set weekly priorities, and then let Shortcut run the schedule for you with accompanying burn down charts and other reporting. Give it a try today at shortcut.com slash ship it. Again, that's shortcut.com slash ship it. End of January, one of our Shipit listeners reached out to me via the Slack changelog. I've built a replacement to Cert Manager. Does this interest you? Well, welcome to Shipit, Nabil. That answers your question. <laughs> Thanks. It's, it's really great to be here. I've okay. been a, a long-time listener to, to the Changelog family of podcasts in general. And yeah, it's uh, pretty exciting to be here. Yeah. So a lot of stuff happened in the background since you sent that message. That was January. We talked plenty. The thing that you built made a lot of progress in a couple of months. You wrote a few blog posts. You shipped 1.0. That was amazing to see. So this thing is ready for prime time. And I'm not going to call it production, ready for prime time. Before we started the recording, we tried it out and we got everything set up and it was amazing. Let's see if we can share the video. We'll see if we can edit it, if we can do like a, get it like in a nice shareable format. But that would be cool to see how we set it up. So we had KCERT, 
and then the date.changelog.com all up and running. That was nice. So why did you build KCERT, Nabil? It's been kind of a long journey, actually. So when I started using Kubernetes, I was using uh, traffic as my ingress uh, controller, mm-hmm. and it basically handled your routing and to your services, as well as your certificates, you know, all in one service, and it worked very well. Mm-hmm. But then I ran into some uh, issues with uh, with traffic, and maybe it's changed by now, you know, with the newer versions of it, but it, it, I couldn't deploy traffic to multiple nodes to have like high availability in my cluster. And that took me to using... Do you remember by any chance which version was this or roughly the year, I know, two years ago, three years ago, just roughly? Yeah, definitely two years ago. I have blog posts for for all of those experiences. (laughs) Nice, okay. I moved to Nginx and uh, Cert Manager, you know, for for using my, uh, for for using in my cluster as well. And and that worked uh, great, you know, it it, it worked uh, for quite a while. But then at some point there was a, like a DNS issue and and cert manager just stopped renewing uh, you know certs and mm-hmm. you know I went online and looked for you know and I found a few people having the same issue but there wasn't a clear solution to it and so I I ended up learning how to create certificates manually in my mm-hmm. in my cluster right use like I would literally start a a pod with cert bot on it you know and manually wow. issue a certificate from there and uh, because cert manager just wasn't working you know it wasn't mm-hmm. cert manager's fault necessarily because I think it was an it was a DNS issue in, in Kubernetes itself but still I was blocked you know and I, I had to learn how to how to do this and so mm-hmm. basically I gave myself I realized like now that I know how to create my certs manually I hope I don't have to do it manually you know, three months from now, like I decided to do it myself, you know, for, for the learning opportunity. So I implemented like the RFC, you know, 8555, you know, the Let's Encrypt Acme RFC myself in, in .NET and, and got it working and, you know, just gradually built it out into like a fully functioning certificate manager on my personal cluster. And then I open sourced it. Yeah. I love that story. The open source part, amazing. But the fact that you had a problem and you complained about it, I was looking at the, at the issue, <laughs> the search manager before we started the recording. You did Kubernetes SSL search the hard way. This is October yeah. 2020. I was expecting a longer blog post, but still, I clicked the link. There's a one link. Find Read more about this issue here. I clicked it. And that's a great conversation on the search manager GitHub repo about this specific issue. And um, I have to say from that, I didn't get just how difficult it was for you to you know, do the hard way. I think that, that having a guide of how to do search the hard way for Kubernetes would be amazing. That exists. Did you not see the link there? No, I didn't. I missed that. It's literally a GitHub repo it's, that just has a markdown file in it with all of the instructions of, of how to do it manually. Yeah. No way. I missed this. That's it. 17 <laughs> months ago. Okay. Okay. Uh, that was October. Okay. So 10 days later. Was it 10 days later? No, it was actually, you commented. Okay, that's when you shared it. Let me, let me see. Let me just go through this. That was August. Okay, so the issue started. So this is issue 3238 on the cert manager repo, in the cert manager repo on GitHub. And, oh, hello. There's someone, uh, Marty. Marty answered as well. Okay. <laughs> Can he access? Okay, 3R support. She was part of support. September. Oh, I see. Okay, so September. And this has been going on for like about a month and a half. Did you have enough time? To renew your certificate, by the way, what happened? Did, did you fix it? Yeah, like figuring out how to do it manually with, um, you know, with CertBot in the cluster, that, that took a couple of days and I figured it mm-hmm. out. And then maybe a few weeks later, I, I wrote up like the, the instructions, you know, and I shared it. Okay. It wasn't terrible. Of course, it's a very manual process. 
I think I set up an Nginx server as well in my instructions. And then you copy paste like the token, you know, into a file so that like the Acme HTTP challenge works, you know? <laughs> wow, that's really cool. Okay, I'm, ju I'm, just, I'm just looking at this now and this is amazing. This resonates with me because only recently we had Kelsey on the show and he was saying how Kubernetes, the hard way, documenting things, the hard way, capturing that is possibly one of the most valuable things you can do. Forget automation. Documentation first, automation next. <laughs> That's what you did here. Yeah, there's there's definitely value going in and and learning how to do things the hard way, mm. you know, so that you understand it. At least if your automation fails, you you have a backup plan, no matter how painful it might be. So to me, this page, the Kate's Let's Encrypt K8S K8S Let's Encrypt repo in your Napsol GitHub org. It's not an org. Uh, yeah, my personal uh, stuff. Yeah. Your personal GitHub. I will. I'll. We'll drop it in the show notes because this is great. To me, that is so valuable. You know, like the the step by step instructions. Okay, so you documented it, and then how did you transition from that to building KCERT? What did that journey look like? Well, you know, doing things manually helped me understand a lot more how Let's Encrypt works, right? Mm -hmm. Like what, you know, but of course, there's still a lot of missing steps in the middle. So really, from there, I, I went to the RFC docs, right? Mm -hmm. So there's the RFC of how the Acme, you know, API works and how you use it, you know, to issue uh, a certificate to like request a certificate and then mm -hmm. prove that you're the owner of that domain. And then, and then, you know, you get the final certificate. It's a multi-step process. I looked around to see if if there were any like .NET, like I, I had decided I wanted to build this in .NET because I, I really mm -hmm. like C Sharp in general as, as a language. I think .NET Core has, has evolved a lot over, over you know, the years and it doesn't really get as much love as it deserves. So mm -hmm. I, <laughs> I, I decided to, to give that a shot. And, but looking for libraries, I didn't find a library that really clicked with me. So I decided to build it myself from, from the primitives from scratch. So I, it really was just, I, I started writing like a CLI tool in mm -hmm. um, C Sharp that would just do step-by-step -step the, the process of, of issuing a certificate, got it working. It took a lot of debugging, you know. And then once I got it working, then I wrapped it up into like an actual ASP.NET service, you know, that will run and, and read like the Kubernetes. Uh, it will look at your Kubernetes cluster and create like mm -hmm. secrets and, and all of that. So it was, it was a, you know, it was definitely a side project. Took a few months, you know, at least probably more like, you know, half a year to, to get done. Mm -hmm. And then I tested it out like on my local cluster for a while. Initially, for example, I don't think it supported renewing certificates at all, or at least it didn't su support automatic renewals. Mm -hmm. So it just, uh, you know, I would have to go in and like manually renew, you know, my certificate. I have to remember to manually renew mm -hmm. them, you know. So so later on, I, I, I hooked up automatic renewals and, you know, cleaned things up. And when I felt like it was at least beta worthy, like that was when I published the, uh, I open sourced it. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned that this started because there was a DNS issue. Does KCERT use DNS? So that's actually a funny question in, in a way. So, <laughs> so if I understood it correctly, the bug in CERT Manager was that CERT Manager, when you request a certificate, right, before mm -hmm. issuing the certificate, CERT Manager will check if you really do have your DNS configured correctly to point right. to CERT Manager to receive the, like, the challenge, for example. And that was actually the bug in Kubernetes. Kubernetes was failing such that when you tried to check the host name, because that host name was already like part of your Kubernetes cluster, it was doing something weird and and therefore it was the, the request was failing. Mm -hmm. 
And so, and so cert manager would say, no, it doesn't look like you actually have your DNS configured correctly and it fails. I see. Cert manager just doesn't do that simply. <laughs> you know, cert manager just trusts that, you know, you have your configuration correct. And I mean, worst case scenario, the HTTP challenge never arrives and, you know, mm-hmm. the, the renewal times out and you'll get an error message at that point. Probably the way cert manager does it is better, but at least, you know, KCERT works and it's convenient. Yeah. <laughs> so how does KCERT do it? So the way KCERT works is when it decides that it needs a certificate to be created, what it will first do is it will create an ingress. It'll create a temporary ingress that will route just the, you know, dot well-known Acme challenge path to mm-hmm. itself, like to, to KCERT. So it'll create that, that ingress temporarily, and then it will start the certificate renewal process. So it, mm-hmm. will, it will contact, you know, Let's Encrypt and say, hey, I want to create a certificate for these hosts. And then, you know, Let's Encrypt will say, will reply and say, yes, I'm going to, you know, these are the paths that I'm going to issue my challenge on. And then, you know, we, you know, KCERT tells Let's Encrypt, okay, I'm ready, you know, and... Mm-hmm. <laughs> The Acme challenge, you know, comes in, you know, through that HTTP challenge path. KCERT responds to Let's Encrypt to prove that yes, I, I really do own this, you know, secret, this, you know, the for for that stuff. And then finally, you know, Let's Encrypt will give you uh, like a, a URL to fetch the actual certificate. So it will fetch the certificate, and then it will save the certificate in a Kubernetes secret. And then it will delete the ingress, you know, and, and that's basically the, the renewal process. Right. Okay. Now I'm wondering if this could have helped one of the issues which we had when we were migrating a couple of years ago between one Kubernetes cluster to another. So first of all, we never upgrade Kubernetes in place. We always create a new Kubernetes version and then we do like a long blue green. So yeah. when we were doing this actual like switch over from the blue to the green one or green to blue, doesn't matter which way, we had to create the certificates, obviously, but the DNS was still pointing to the other cluster and there was like, like a load balancer and all that. So it had basically another IP. Yeah. And even though we did update the DNS because of caching, they didn't propagate in time. So what that meant is that we were not able to get certificates for the new one, it was failing. And then it was serving the self-signed certificate, the Kubernetes yep. self-signed, and then and then everything just, just basically broke. And because of the throttling on Let's Encrypt side, uh, we, you know, we, we just couldn't re-request after the DNS propagated correctly. It was like a few minutes later. Yeah. So I'm wondering if KCERT would have helped with that. First of all, because it, how it does like the, the, the challenges and how it serves the challenge itself, would that have helped? I don't know. Would it have helped? You know, honestly, the great thing about certificates, you know, is they're they're a very slow moving, mm-hmm. you know, piece of data. Y- your certificate is valid for, you know, two months and then mm-hmm. you have 30 days to renew it. So you have this like three month window to do anything. So I don't think you really have to worry for certificates about, mm-hmm. you know, switching over and doing everything really quick in in things like okay. that. The way the way I would do this migration is actually copy you know, the certificates that you have from your old cluster to your new cluster, and then just take your time to like switch your, your DNS over uh, and things like that. You know, make sure that your certificates are valid for at least another 30 days or so. Yeah. And then you don't really have to worry about like all of those like, um, you know, race conditions that can happen and things like that. And and I mean, you know, you can literally do kubectl, get secret, pipe, 
cube cuddle, you know, create secret. Like it literally, yeah. it's like a one-liner to copy a secret from one place to another. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, in light of the discussion with Kelsey, there's two things wrong with this approach. First of all, decouple your compute from your control. So mm -hmm. wherever you're running your workload, it shouldn't be the same place that manages everything else, which is what we do. External DNS yeah. runs in the same cluster. So that's like the, the config, the control, which is bundled together with the compute. So you need at least two clusters. And then when you do that, there's like a way, how do you get those certificates from wherever like you're running it in, in Cert Manager, but okay, because we already have a job which syncs them from our Kubernetes to our CDN. And there's like a story there, but let's not get into it now, what, <laughs> why we still need to do that. So if we had this other control cluster, then this would not be a problem, you know, in that you don't have to worry about migrating uh, external DNS and Cert Manager and your workloads and everything else. So, you know, you decouple those concerns. The other thing would be obviously around storing like a source of truth for the secrets not being Kubernetes, like have an actual secret store like Vault or, you know, whatever. Yeah, and I agree with that, actually. I mean, KCERT does not help with this problem, really, but I do agree with this. And this is one of the things, it's funny, the original thing that I reached out to you for that I was talking about was was mm -hmm. actually a replacement for both, you know, Nginx and CERT Manager. It's, a, it's actually a, like a reverse proxy, you know. Mm -hmm. And what I've been experimenting with there is taking both like the ingresses and the certificates all out of the cluster and just fetching them from some other source of data that's, mm. you know, completely outside of your cluster. And I have a feeling that's probably the better way to do it. You know, even if you do have your secrets in Kubernetes, they should come from some other source of truth. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's something which I'm very excited about to work towards a model and implement yeah. a solution which has that. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Fire Hydrant. Fire Hydrant is the reliability platform for every developer. Incidents impact everyone, not just SREs. Fire Hydrant gives teams the tools to maintain service catalogs, respond to incidents, communicate through status pages, and learn with retrospectives. What would normally be manual, error-prone tasks across the entire spectrum of responding to an incident, this can all be automated in every way with Fire Hydrant. Fire Hydrant gives you incident tooling to manage incidents of any type with any severity with consistency. You can declare and mitigate incidents all inside Slack. Service catalogs allow service owners to improve operational maturity and document all your deploys in your service catalog. Incident analytics light extract meaningful insights about your reliability over any facet of your incident or the people who respond to them. And at the heart of it all, incident run books, they let you create custom automation rules to convert manual tasks into automated, reliable, repeatable sequences that run when you want. Create Slack channels, Jira tickets, Zoom bridges instantly after declaring an incident. Now your processes can be consistent and automatic. Try Fire Hydrant free for 14 days. Get access to every feature, no credit card required. Get started at firehydrant.io. Again, firehydrant.io. Okay, even though I didn't want to get into this detail now, I think we need to because we're talking about certificates. So the question is, why do we need to sync our let's encrypt certificate or CDN. That doesn't make sense because a CDN can manage the certificate for you. 
Okay, if we do that in Fastly, and this is Fastly specific, maybe other CDNs do it differently. But in Fastly, to for it to manage your own certificates, you need to verify that you own a domain via a DNS record. So you need to create a CNAME record with a certain name, Fastly something something, I can't remember the details exactly. And then Fastly will manage Let's Encrypt certificates for you. But if Fastly does that, you won't have access to that private key. What that means is that Fastly will, will, will have those certificates and it will you know serve all the traffic encrypted. But then if you have another place where you want to use those certificates, you can't. And because you have a CNAME record, it means that Fastly is the only one that can have this the Acme Let's Encrypt integration. If you wanted to, for example, use Cert Manager or KCERT, what I imagine would happen, if you need to do any sort of verification that way, but I think with KCERT, do you have DNS uh, validation verification? You don't have that option. No, yeah, it it's only supports, HTTP. yeah, HTTP, exactly. Okay, so Cert Manager in our case, it does support DNS. And as far as I know, in the Acme protocol, you need to use DNS validation if you, if you provision wildcard certificates, which is what we do. You mm. can't use the HTTP challenge to get wildcard certificates. And we need that, so we get like a wildcard for both whatever subdomain we have on changelog.com. So when we do that, we do DNS validation, but Fastly owns that record, that that CNAME record. In the RFC, in the DNS RFC spec, you can only have one. So if it supported text records, that would be fine. And Fastly would figure out, hey, is there a text record that matches what I what I need? But two years ago, they didn't used to do this. Yeah. So what that means is that Cert Manager today manages our certificates, and then we have to upload them to Fastly, even though Cert Manager yeah. manages them, because there is no integration currently that Cert Manager has with Fastly, in that he can't automatically upload them there. So our source of truth today for the certificates is Kubernetes. We store them as secrets, and then from there, we sync them to other places. Today, it's yeah. just Fastly. But if, for example, and this is happening right now, we're migrating to Fly, if you want to use the same certificates, then we would need to sync them to Fly IO as well, because yeah. it's almost like we have like the old school unmanaged certificates, which you used to pay for, Obviously, that's mm -hmm. not the case. We use Let's Encrypt, uh, and it's all like you know nicely managed and automated, and all the renewals and everything. But because of these interactions and these limitations, we can't get our certificates to those places. Yeah. So, long story short, and because I, this was leading to a question, how would you solve that problem? Like, what would you do in that case? I mean, you understand the different limitations and you know what we need to do. What are your thoughts there? What would you recommend? It's kind of an interesting problem. I guess it depends on if you how much time you have to solve the problem. <laughs> you know, honestly, if the tooling that you have for for issuing the certificate is is already geared towards even if let's say you were going to use Kcert, right? Mm -hmm. You could use Kcert like and and you issue your your certificates into your cluster, right? Mm -hmm. And then you could automate the syncing part separately. And in that case, you've kind of decoupled the problems. So, so mm -hmm. even though your certificate manager happens to be doing things at the level of your cluster, and maybe that's not really where you want to store things, if you have some automation that will pull that data out of your cluster and then put it in whatever your source of truth is, like something to mm -hmm. bubble it up, and then from that point, you can have your automation that deploys it to every place else that needs those secrets. And so that way you, you kind of decouple your, you know, the whole problem into three things, right? Like issuing the certificates, getting the certificates to your source of truth, and then getting it from the source of truth to everything else. And, and that's how I would do it if you wanted to do it like without trying to reinvent everything from scratch. Yeah, for sure. 
Okay, so let's imagine that we were using KCERT for issuing certificates and renewing them. There is the wildcard certificate limitation, so mm -hmm. we are aware of that, and then that's all good. We would need to somehow sync those certificates somewhere. Now, you mentioned that's something that you were thinking about doing before. Are you still thinking about that? Knowing that that's something that I would need as well? Does it help? <laughs> as you see where I'm going with this? <laughs> Feature request? I don't know. <laughs> if I was going to do this to in KCERT itself, what I would have to do is, I, I, I intentionally named KCERT KCERT with the K because it's like Kubernetes only, right? It doesn't actually like deal with anything else. But mm -hmm. I mean, theoretically, we could abstract the storage, you know, interface that KCERT uses. And, you know, it doesn't have to be like, it doesn't have to use Kubernetes primitives. It could instead, you know, fetch your certificates and, and save them to, you know, a vault or, or mm -hmm. whatever. It would actually not be that hard uh, of a change to do it. But the, I think what ends up having, becoming tricky is, okay, well, what should I store it? Should I store it to Azure Key Vault? Should I store it to AWS? Should I support AWS's version of that? Mm -hmm. Should I support HashiCorp's, you know, Key Vault? Like there's just so many options there and it, get, it gets harder to do. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So if we call it any cert, I think that's the first step. Rename it from KCERT to any cert, as in any cast. <laughs> and then we can figure out the rest <laughs> because that's the hard part, right? The naming. Yeah, All right. The naming things, definitely. <laughs> so let me switch gears a little bit and let me ask you, are you using KCERT yourself for production? So sadly, no. no. Like, <laughs> you know, after I finished KCERT, I, I decided, well, you know, replacing cert manager was really, really hard. Like, you know, implementing the the RFC, you know, 8555, you know, and, and getting that all working. That was really complicated, you know. How hard mm -hmm. would it be to replace like the reverse proxy part, you know, like and, and not use Nginx anymore? And so I decided to to give that a shot, you know, just to just for experimenting. It really was an opportunity to try things out of the box, you know, like really like outside of, you know, like the, the box and try things a little crazy, you know. And when I say in production, like I mean my personal blog, right? Like this isn't, uh, it, it's nothing like super hey, it's critical. Your production. You know? It's your production. <laughs> That's my personal production, yeah. <laughs> So, so what I've been experimenting with is, so, so .NET Core has a, a library called YARP, uh, which is yet another reverse proxy. Mm -hmm. And it basically gives you a library to create an ASP.NET application reverse proxy. And that's what I'm currently using in my, uh, in my cluster. It's um, basically I copied, you know, the certificate management part out of KCERT, you know, put mm -hmm. it in this new service, uh, and then also added in the uh, the reverse proxy functionality. And with this experiment, like I'm completely detaching myself from the Kubernetes primitives, like my ingress and, and secrets. So all of the certificates are stored outside of the Kubernetes cluster. My reverse proxy, you know, fetches and, and saves data in this in this external data source that's completely outside of outside of my Kubernetes cluster. And what this the interesting thing about this is I could then very easily deploy this proxy to multiple Kubernetes cluster clusters, mm -hmm. and they would all have the same source of truth, right? So if one of them, if one of them renews a certificate or creates a certificate, like all of those clusters would have that, those certificates. So hang on, do you have this? Like this exists today? Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I'm running like right now in my production 
So where is this thing? Why don't I know about it? <laughs> I'm not ready to share it, basically. It's very experimental. I'm not sure if the design that I have is mm -hmm. ideal, you know, or if it's or if it's really a good design, you know. So, so a lot of times I'll try something out for a few months and then I'll decide, oh, this would be better if it was a different way. Okay. So K-Cert, for example, when I, when I first was using it, like this is less than early this year, uh, creating a certificate in K-Cert was done through the graphical interface, like the web UI that it provides. You would go in and just literally click create and type in, you know, your host name and your secret name and it would create it. And, uh, you know, even after using K-Cert for a year, I decided, oh, I don't like this model anymore. You know, like this should be done, you know, sort of automatically through creating an ingress and then creating certificates from that. And then that has some trade-offs too. I like doing things privately for a while because it gives me kind of permission, let's say, to to do things that might be stupid, right? Because, but it only affects me. Like, you know, I don't, I don't want to okay. be hurting, you know, other people that might be taking dependencies on it. So what if there was someone experienced enough that understands how these things work, that would, um, you know, be like your rubber duck, maybe try some things out, give some ideas, and whichever way it goes, that's okay, because it's not a hard dependency, but it's something really cool that I think has great potential and I mean, whatever I come up with, I'm sure it's not going to be as good as what you come up with, because first of all, you're really passionate about this area. You've spent a lot of time researching it and then, then doing a lot of work. So you have a pretty good idea of what you're trying to get to. And then you have, you're still like on this path of learning, of discovering what it looks like. So whatever you come up with, I'm sure it's going to be great because KSERT is great. And I'm really excited to see this, especially since it's something that we need, like changelog needs. So <laughs> like for this infrastructure, whatever you come up with, you know, it's like another data point and it's another, hmm, this is interesting, which will in turn give me ideas of how to think about the things that I'm not going to do rather than me, you know, coming up with a solution that works for us. And then that's good enough, which is what we have today. And that's been good enough for a couple of years, yeah. but it doesn't feel like it's like, it's like a community or like a group of like-minded people that appreciate it, first and foremost, help one another out in terms of like, you know, I'm stuck on this thing. Like, what do you think? And I say, well, this is what I think. And it doesn't mean that you should do that. It means that's literally what I think. Maybe it gives you another idea and that's great. And you think, you know what, that's stupid. I think my idea is better. <laughs> so that gives you confidence that the path that you're on is right. This is the right one. I would really appreciate that, actually. This is okay. the, you know, the trade-off of course, between, you know, of doing things in private is again, like I don't get, yeah, like someone to talk None to, that, to, yeah. to confirm if, you know, this is really a good idea or not, or, or to bounce ideas off. And that is really the, the tricky part is like, once I get something working for my personal needs, the next question I have to ask myself is, is this something worth sharing, you know, to, to other people? You know, sometimes it's not, right? Sometimes it's really just, you know, my personal taste might not match, you know, what the industry wants, you know? <laughs> but that's okay. No, it doesn't matter, you know? Yeah. It's like, it, it works for you and, and, and that's okay. But what I'm thinking is like, we have an opportunity to come together yeah. and dream and try things out and fail and, you know, discover things and learn together. Like, and then you share something amazing, like, wow, this is amazing. I discovered this thing and it's really hard to say, okay, I... I know. So what is hard about it? Five minutes later, it's a little bit easier. So it's it's things like that, like the human element of, you know, coming together and working towards something that will be useful one day, maybe. And if not, you know what? We had a great time together and that's all that matters. 
And to me, yeah. that sounds great. That sounds like a great proposition. Okay. So I would ask you if you know anyone else using KCERT in production, but if you're not using it yourself and you're already like on this new thing, on this other thing, what are the chances of people using it in production? What do you think of KCERT being used in production? So the good thing about KCERT especially is it's small, it's simple, mm -hmm. it's easy to maintain. And so I'm willing to continue to maintain it, even though I'm not personally using it right now. I, I, I'm, I'm actually excited enough about it, you know, to, to continue maintaining it. Mm -hmm. You know, the trade-off is I will keep the the scope very narrow, you know, like I, I probably won't be working on shipping, you know, anything, any major changes to it, you know, I'll try to keep it, keep it pretty stable, mm -hmm. which actually is very similar to another, another open source product I have, which is, uh, it's, it's a piece of software that all it really does is it synchronizes, it allows you to basically fetch your images from a private AWS ECR registry. Mm -hmm. So the, like AWS ECR has a, has an interesting problem where <laughs> you need to renew the Docker credentials every, I don't know, six hours or something because it just expires. Right. And so I, I created a, a little tool that you just run as a cron job in your cluster that just keeps renewing that for you. It's surprisingly popular. <laughs> I mean, I think I get like a, a million downloads a month or something. But actually, wow. I also stopped using it because I, I switched over to GitHub registry, right? So but, you know, that, that's still also working out very fine. You know, people are using it and, uh, and I, you know, I don't get too many requests because I just keep the scope, you know, yeah. uh, pretty, pretty small, you know, the, the surface area of it. And so for KCERT, I think it's, it's a total, totally valid, you know, tool to be using. And if I wasn't experimenting with my, you know, with my experimental reverse proxy, I would totally use KCERT. Okay. What's up, shippers? This episode is brought to you by our friends at Raygun. Raygun gives you instant visibility into the health of your software, get actionable real-time insights into the quality and the performance of your web and mobile apps. Raygun delivers modern tooling for customer-centric teams, error monitoring and crash reporting, ship better quality software faster, get code-level insights into the health of your application in real-time, and start fixing the errors impacting your end-user's experience. You get real user monitoring, quickly identify and resolve front-end performance issues impacting real users in real time, understand exactly how your application performed for every user session and page load. And of course, application performance monitoring gain unrivaled visibility into server-side performance, unlock detailed code-level insights into the root cause of performance issues so you can take action and deliver lightning-fast digital experiences. The next step is to head to raygun.com and start your free 14-day trial, no credit card required. Join thousands of customer-centric software teams who use Raygun every single day. Again, raygun.com and by our friends at Rewatch. Rewatch gives product and engineering teams async superpowers, and it helps them move faster with greater clarity. And I love clarity. Imagine this, all of your team's videos all in one place. Record, organize, and share the videos that your team needs to ship great work. Keep everyone in the loop by sharing team meetings from sprint planning to daily standups to project retros. Empower new hires to get up to speed faster with onboarding and training videos that are easy to watch and, of course, rewatch. You can streamline knowledge sharing by creating a library of product demos, tech talks, architecture reviews, and so much more. And we're using Rewatch here at Changelog, and the killer feature for us is every video is automatically transcribed and searchable. 
and the transcripts are surprisingly very accurate, which makes it so easy for us to search key phrases, terms, and find and play the exact spot in a video. Plus, there's commenting and threaded conversation options on every single video. Now, we have a home for all our videos to enable our growing and distributed team to participate in any conversation asynchronously and on their own time. Check them out, get started for free with a 14-day trial at rewatch.com. Again, rewatch.com. So speaking about narrow scope, first of all, that idea is really cool about the AWS ECR. It's not something that I use like those images. So, you know, I'm sure that if like based on the million downloads, I'm sure it's not just bots and it's not just like CIs that keep pulling it down. <laughs> I'm sure it's actual people that, that use it as well. Whenever yeah. I hear like this, this number of downloads, I know based on my experience, like when an image is really popular, like 1 billion plus downloads, I know that a huge chunk of that is CI systems that keep pulling it down, keep using it. So that's why I take like these numbers with a grain of salt. However, I'm sure there's still people, actual people downloading it and finding it super, super useful. So yeah. there's something there for sure. <laughs> so I'm sure it's great. Yeah, a million downloads a month, you probably have to divide that by maybe a thousand, right? And maybe there are a thousand unique users, you know, or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. yeah, that's right. <laughs> so speaking about KCERT and keeping the scope narrow, I think that keeping this idea that you have just in the sphere of certificates, it's a great one. You don't have to couple it with the proxy concerns. Yeah. And I know that Caddy, the Caddy server, that was the first one that I know which had this like built-in let's encrypt functionality. And that was a great one. Even today, it's my go-to when I need something really, really simple. And I like like this combination yeah. of like both features. Having said that, and again, going back to keeping it simple, like one tool, one job, you know, the Unix philosophy, I really like the idea of having KCERT that it gets better at, at managing certificates and it's like this source of truth. So what I'm saying is the idea of running multiple KCERTs in multiple clusters and keeping you know, those certificates in sync, that in itself is already a great improvement, which I think KCERT today doesn't do that, right? It's just like this, your, your experimental tool that has this functionality, is that right? The nice thing about a certificate manager, I would say, or this thing that's, that's simple about a, mm -hmm. about a certificate manager is you don't need a distributed system for it. So KCERT runs as a, you know, as a Kubernetes deployment, one instance, you know, and it's just not designed to run two instances or, or three. You don't need that, really. As long as it wakes up like once every, you know, six hours and renews your, mm -hmm. your certificate, like, like what else do you really need from this service? Of course, it probably wouldn't scale very well if you had thousands of individual certificates or something like that. But, uh, but that's not really the, the target audience. Yeah, for sure. But this experimental thing that you're working on has the yeah. capability, right, of running multiple instances. Yes. So, but it also yeah. has a proxy. So it's growing in scope in that it's not just certificates, it's also reverse proxying. And okay, there is a library, so it simplifies things a lot, YARP. You know, you don't have yeah. to write that stuff yourself. But still, this thing, it now does two things. It's a bit like, you know, the candy in a different state or um, traffic. It absolutely is very similar to Caddy or Traffic in that aspect that it combines the reverse yeah. proxy, the routing sort of thing, as well as the certificate management. And, and you know, that, that might be one of the reasons I've kept it, you know, I'm not really, you know, trying to like push it too much because again, that, that is a, a really valid point. Like, mm -hmm. do those two things belong together in the same place? Or is it better to have those as two separate, you know, things? And I flip-flop between those two ideas really because... 
it is really convenient for your you know, router to also manage the certificates because it needs the certificates to, to serve the content. For sure. So if you have them as separate tools, those two separate tools need a way to talk to each other. And that part is, what's the ideal solution there? And, and that I don't really have a good answer for either. <laughs> so I imagine if, you, if the thing which manages certificates, if the interface or the contract, the thing that serves traffic is clear, mm. then the proxy in this case, or the router, knows that I will get a certificate here and it's going to work like this and it's going to be the format. So this is the protocol, this is the interface, and then you trust that some other component will implement that interface, which KCERT could be. So as long as the certificate is in a certain place, it gets renewed, there are certain properties around it, then maybe that's enough for whatever uses the certificate to you know, implement its own thing and do, for example, for example, yeah. when the certificate updates, it automatically starts serving, you know, like the, the new certificate and it, it detects that and it reacts in, in the correct way. But I can see that, for example, I always was asking myself, why do we need Ingress Nginx? Why do we need Nginx in front of something as capable as the Erlang VM? The Erlang VM is amazing at high scale anything. Mm-hmm. So if you're using Erlang, and you have the SSL part figured out, which, by the way, is really hard. But if you have that part figured out, and with Ranch, and uh, there's like a couple of libraries and components in the ecosystem, which make it easy, hot reloading, all that stuff. I mean, they're amazing. HTTP2, HTTP3 on the roadmap, maybe one day it's hard, whatever. The point being, the Erlang ecosystem is so powerful when it comes to serving traffic that you may not need Ingress Nginx. So why do we need Ingress Nginx? I agree with that, actually. If you only have one application that's facing the world, mm-hmm. right, you don't really need Nginx, uh, you know, Ingress Controller or, or any of those things. You can, I'm much more familiar, I, I run my stuff on DigitalOcean. So this is literally how my experimental, you know, Ingress is mm-hmm. working, this router. You literally just deploy it as a service, you know, in your Kubernetes cluster, and then mm-hmm. you create a load balancer, right, that goes straight to that instance. Now, there are a couple of tricky things. You need to have like a, a liveness, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, an alive like endpoint so that so that your your external IP address load balancer knows, you know, which instance is healthy and which instance is not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's actually not a lot of work. And and if you if you are okay with controlling all of your traffic from your Erlang application, I, I would recommend giving that a shot. It's not not hard to do. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, and when you go, for example, on the platform, they already have their own proxy. The platform has like the proxy layer. That's one of the like most solid things because routing traffic, it's like everybody needs that or almost everybody needs that. It's very rarely that you run services. I mean, you can do, but it's always like a web facing. There's always going to be TCP or HTTP and it's really HTTPS these days and HTTP3, (laughs) which has a couple. So like, and that is really hard. Like people don't realize how difficult HTTP3 is to implement. Protocol is nuts, but it's worth it because the advantages, the speed advantages are just amazing. Security built in, all that good stuff. It's just great. Uh, Super fast, first time to bite, all those things. Anyways, if you have that interface and KCERT is very clear about what it does, Mm -hmm. then in our case, the Erlang app, okay, it knows this is where I'm going to get my certificate from. And that's it. And I trust that some component will put it there. There's one more problem, right? KCERT would need to be able to tell your app Mm -hmm. to route the HTTP challenges to KCERT. Ah. 
I yeah, see. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the other problem there, yeah. <laughs> ah, okay, okay, I forgot about that. Okay, okay, well, for that part, you can use YARP. <laughs> You're allowed to use YARP. <laughs> but anything else? <laughs> I don't know, like, I don't know, like, Ingress Nginx, I mean, I trust it, and there's very few things that, you know, I would, I would be willing to replace it with because it's so reliable, so solid. Yeah. And something, I don't know much about YARP, but do you know anyone that uses YARP, like, at, at like, a large scale? So I know that YARP is heavily used inside Microsoft for, for a lot of things. And that's, that's where I discovered it, like while I was at Microsoft. Okay. They, they just recently went to 1.0. So it's a, it's a pretty new thing. It was, it was mm -hmm. beta for a very long time. I don't know. And that's, again, actually, that's another reason why I haven't published this. Like, I can't even tell you, like, if my, you know, if this private experiment is performant, right? Like, I don't know if it will scale the way an Nginx would scale or, or a Go application or, or something like that. Yeah. Because you don't need that, right? You're like, yeah. not to that point. You're like, <laughs> yeah, I get like, you know, 10 visitors a day, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> right. Yeah, that makes sense. Maybe you'll get many more after this episode comes out. <laughs> People go like, what Nabil is up to these days? So he has like some amazing ideas. So speaking of which, what do you want to do going forward with K-Cert and, and, and this other thing? Like in an ideal world, where do you see them going? K-Cert, I would like to keep it, I think if it stays the way it is right now, it's it's already quite a valuable, useful you know, tool. I'm also just really pleased with, I did recently get a couple of, uh, you know, of issues, you know, on, on the mm -hmm. GitHub. I'm just happy that people are able to install it on the, you know, on their own, you know, from the instructions and get it working. Right. And, and that has been the case. And, and honestly, that's already an achievement and I'm, I'm happy with that. And, you know, I'll, I'll take definitely feedback and, and see where it goes. And yeah, we can, we can see, I, I do like the idea if I could get that interface between KCERT and some you know, proxy component, if there was a really an easy way to separate it, I would. And I think okay. that's probably the big way that I would, the big thing that I would want to explore, you know, further mm. with KCERT itself. But again, as we discussed, there are some challenges there. They're, they're very tightly coupled things, your, your router and your certificates. Mm. With the actual, the reverse proxy tool that I'm, I'm building, what I, what I really need to do, and I, I have a draft, but I haven't published it yet. I want to write a blog post about it without actually sharing the, the code. And if people are, you know, want to come in and join you know, and, and have discussions about the product, uh, about this project uh, to see, you know, to push it further. I, I'm willing to do that in a, in a private context, mm -hmm. but I don't know yet if it's really a good idea to, to open source it and have yeah, just know. by accident, a hundred people start using it. And, you know, then I can't refactor it and make changes to the design as easily. Doesn't work. Fix it. This is a free personal project. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm, what I'm doing with this. Like I can't fix anything. You know, I'm still like refactoring. Yeah, I do try when I publish things, like, and make mm -hmm. them actually open source. I try not to break them going forward, you know. <laughs> Which is why the 1.0 for KCERT was really nice to see, and that's what you meant by that, or at least that was my interpretation. Th that was the signal, yeah. Yeah. If you use this, I will at least do my best not to, you know, make drastic changes that completely break you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so Nabil, how would you like the Ship It listeners to react or respond to KCERT and those ideas? Is there something that you'd like them to do? Can they help you in some way? Maybe you have a question for them. What would you like to happen from that perspective? Honestly, I'd just love people to try KCERT out and and see how it goes. Feedback is totally welcome. And, and you know, the GitHub repository is, is open to issues and, and discussions. And so that would be very, very welcome. Uh, I, I welcome all the feedback. And, uh, and if there are suggestions to improve it like uh, as well, 
-hmm. Definitely that step from making something that's just useful for yourself to something that's useful for for other people that takes that needs some feedback and uh, and that mm -hmm. would be great. And if people are interested in the idea of a a super simple you know reverse proxy you know type of thing you know that goes in the place of of, of of nginx controller you know just reach out to me it could be anywhere linkedin twitter or something and that i'm willing to ha i'd like to have like some private you know conversations with people passionate about this idea but unfortunately mm -hmm. i'm just not really willing right now to to open source it yeah that makes perfect sense so as we prepare to wrap up what would you say is the key takeaway for the listeners i think the thing i've learned with the last couple of things that i've open sourced and and shared is you know, open sourcing things doesn't always have to be huge burden, you know, in terms of a response. I, I know it can be, you know, I think we, we've, we've all listened to plenty of changelog episodes, you know, with, with that experience. But at least a couple of lessons I've learned to mitigate that is, you know, take your time to, to build it first. You know, if you need to in private, that's totally fine. But also keep the scope narrow. Like you don't have to support every possible use case, right? Keep it, keep it nice and simple. And that usually helps. The last two things I've open sourced have been very little burden, you know, to, to maintain. And it's, I think it's possible to do that. Yeah. Nabil, I would like to thank you very much for reaching out. I wish others followed your example and did the same thing because it was amazing to have this conversation with you to see where you took KSERT from like this idea that you weren't sure about, which was January-ish. And then we we talked like, you know, over Slack for a couple of months. I've seen your blog post come out. By the way, we'll link them all in the show notes. And finally, being able to try it today, which we did before the episode, we'll see if we can get the video out uh, or at least like, you know, parts of it. That was great. I mean, it took a bit more than five minutes. That was because like, you know, various complications on my side, but... Within 40 minutes, we had like a new Kubernetes cluster set up, everything installed from scratch, including KCERT, our certificate provisioned. Uh, okay, it was just a staging one, but it would have worked for production nevertheless. Yep. And uh, we had everything wired up within 40 minutes with, with no preparation whatsoever, like literally out of the blue. And that just <laughs> yeah. goes to show, you know, that it works. And that got me very excited. So thank you very much, Nabil, for that opportunity. I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it as well. And, and it, was, it was super fun. Yeah, thanks a lot. I'm looking forward to what you do next. Thank you, Nabil. See yep, you around. Thank you. Yeah, bye. Thank you for tuning into another episode of Shipping. Check out our other podcast for developers at changelog.com slash master. You can connect with like-minded developers from all over the world about changelog.com slash community. Thank you Fastly for the worldwide low latency changelog.com. Our listeners love those blazing fast MP3s. Your beats are awesome, Breakmasters. That's it for this week. See you all next week. The last thing that I'm going to mention today is that Dagger shipped. It's one of the reasons why this episode was delayed. Check out dagger.io and ask anything. And